Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34. Can you please move back a little bit? Okay. I'm sitting in a tiny room at New York University having electrodes taped to my face for an experiment designed to uncover racial bias, even in people like me who like to believe they have no racial bias. All I knew as the test began was that I kept hearing loud bangs in my headphones. So what was happening in there? What was going on? So what we were doing was measuring your eye blink startle response. When you hear a loud noise, you startle. It's just a natural reflex. You can't help it. But what we know is that startle reflex is tapped in to brain circuitry that's involved in emotional responding and fear. So if you're in a slightly fearful state, and just very subtly fearful, right, not that you're actually feeling fear, you're going to startle more. And what we found is that for Caucasian Americans, they will startle slightly more when they're viewing an African American versus another white American. We have to pay attention to something called implicit bias. So what is implicit bias? Oprah Winfrey has talked about it. Malcolm Gladwell has written about it. Normally we say when Oprah is talking about it and Malcolm is writing about it, everybody knows about it, which isn't always the case. So a bias is a preference for or a prejudice against a person or a group of people. There are three characteristics that make a bias implicit. Characteristic number one, implicit biases operate at the subconscious level, outside of conscious awareness. We don't know that we have them, and they can't be accessed through introspection. So today I have with me Michael Graham from Actify Press and Brother Beat, and we're going to have an informed discussion on the differences between affinity bias and racism. Now, some of you might be asking, what do you mean by affinity bias? Well, you're about to find out. So um, let's talk about that. Michael Graham, this is something that you have been championing for a bit of a time now. So explain to the audience what you mean when you say affinity bias. Affinity bias is a it's a it's a it's a um, it's a basic concept. Just to go back a little bit, okay. Your brain basically has two two levels. Let's say just to keep it just to keep it uh, simple for simple people like me, right? There's the underlying <laughs> part <laughs> that 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 does most that actually does most of the thinking for you, right? The things that you've learned and they're automatic to you, and they just you know that you've learned over time to automatic to you, like riding a bike, so to speak, right? That happens in the in the back part of your brain, we'll call it, right? Always the stuff that happens in the background. So you're not constantly trying to balance the bike and using up all this all this. Um, all this, let's say, um, uh, resources in your brain trying to keep that bike balanced while you try to find out where you're going, so on and so forth. And then there's the other part of your brain, which is, does all the calculating and the, and the um, short-term thinking and all the uh, um, difficult things that your brain does, right, which is a smaller portion of your brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. So all, right, but while riding this bike, you can still think about what you plan on doing, what direction you're going, what, what you're going to eat for lunch. That's the that's mm -hmm. the that's the uh, conscious part of your brain 
doing doing that the doing the work but the the actual heavy lifting it goes on so you're constantly um you can constantly for instance if you stop at a red light you see a red light you know you need to stop you don't really have to think about it because it's learned right and it's also and another part of it is uh the fight or flight uh, uh mechanism so like if you see danger your your body automatically reacts to it. Um, you'll get an upset stomach, and then oftentimes people call that call, it's called call it your gut instinct. That's actually your your um, your brain telling you hypothalamus. I forget the terms anyway. <laughs> That's your brain right. telling you that you that there's danger, right? So right, right. Um, stress stress is another reaction like that when your your heart rate elevates. So these are these are things that are that are it's a combination of evolution. And um, and condi- and social conditioning, right? So this is this is how the human brain works. I mean, you could bring a psychologist on, you could bring a neuroscientist on. They're going to tell you the same thing. This is how the human brain works. So the world now we come to affinity bias, right? So affinity bias is you uh, tend to you tend to have affinity toward people that look like you because these are the people that you're around. Right. Mm-hmm. So anytime you see someone uh, that doesn't look like you, your you have a, your gut. Then that's when you start having those um, feelings of maybe maybe anxiety. Um, your your pupils will dilate. Your heart rate will speed up because you're ready. Because that that triggers your fight or flight instinct. If you see somebody that doesn't look like you or doesn't seem to be part of your in group, right? That's the mm-hmm. that's the so, that's the social part of it. The the, the social conditioning part. Right. So um, that goes back to what and and um, scientists, this is what the this, this study says is that if you flash the picture of a black person in front of any American, the vast majority of them will have a negative will have a negative um, opinion of of that black face until the front, the, 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 the calculating thinking part of their brain uh, takes over. Right. So if I'm going down the street, even as a black man going down the street, if I see a, 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 some some young black men that look like they're up to no good. Right. I'm right. you know, I'm OK. First, something. OK, what do I need to do? Right. Right, wrong or indifferent. It can't be helped. Right. Because of our social conditioning and this and, and evolution. Right. It's how the brain works. It really is. It really is that simple, right? So um, when Bernie said that sometimes white folks feel uncomfortable about voting for a black person for the for the first time in their life, he's right, right? Because that discomfort, in your gut, right? Your gut, that discomfort you feel in your gut when something when you think something may be going wrong, that's social conditioning. That's that's that affinity bias kicking in, telling you that okay, there's something wrong here. That discomfort or feeling uncomfortable, right? But when the when the um, the other part of your brain says okay, <laughs> take a deep breath, everything's cool. Let's take a look at the policy and see where we are, right? But that first part, a lot of people, including black people, have the same reaction, right? So that's the affinity bias part, right? Everybody has the same reaction, right? And black people may have it with Hispanics, but again, that's the social conditioning part, right? So for instance, um, say say I'm say I'm a gang member, right? I'm a, if I was a black gang member, I'm not, I know this is a stereotype, but I'm just making a point, right? But all my life, the, Michael, the, we know what you're doing in your off time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all, all, say I'm in a gang, right? And, the, and the, my rival gang is um, is a Hispanic gang, right? So mm-hmm. I'm in a black gang, the Hispanic gang. They're, my, they're our main rivals. We're always fighting. We're always arguing. There's always we're always fighting over 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 space. Always fighting over corners, right? Um, now. 
if I move on to a new space in my life, that social conditioning doesn't go away, right? Suppose I get out of that space and join the military, right? When I see somebody I think is an essay, I'm looking, I'm checking tats, I'm checking, checking for all these, all these signals that I've learned my entire life. But the first thing that pops up, people call it their sixth sense, their spider sense, or whatever you want to call it, the first thing is, okay, that may be danger, so I need to prepare myself for fight or flight, right? That's just how the human brain works. Yeah. Right. You can so call it. Yeah. So you can call it racism if you choose to, but it's it's not. It's just the way your brain functions. So it's sort of okay. A that's all I got for that. No, I got you. So it's sort of a combination of kinship mm-hmm. theory from an evolutionary standpoint, combined mm-hmm. with social conditioning. So, well, let me ask. Yeah, you absolutely. More, let me ask you the more deeper question then. At what point, uh, on a certain level, I I completely agree with you. But at what point does mm-hmm. the affinity bias become racism? Because the reason I ask this is I think uh, mm-hmm. there's a difference between a neo-Nazi and somebody that's just kind of sort of ignorant to the systemic problems of racism mm-hmm. in society. Absolutely. They might not they might think that they're entirely not racist because they just simply they're mm-hmm. you know, they're a product of white privilege, whatever you want to call it, and they, so they don't see it. And I think those are two very mm-hmm. different types of people. One, you can probably convince and open their eyes to mm-hmm. things, maybe educate them a little bit. Yeah. But the not, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you might be able to, maybe, <laughs> might be able to um, <laughs> educate a few Nazis. But generally, those guys are, you know, they're hardcore. Yeah, most of their lost cause. But it's, it's a matter of, again, I guess we're back to resources now. It's a matter of how many how much resources you want to dedicate to this. We're talking about politics now. I just need your vote. I don't need, I don't need nothing else from you, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. right? I don't need your firstborn child. I just need your vote. But I, I, I think for, <laughs> for, for, for me, it's action, right? Racism is action. I don't care what you think. All of us go through all kinds hmm. of foul shit in our head, excuse me, foul stuff on our head every day of the yeah, week. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all of us go through that. My bad. We all of us have all kinds of foul shit floating around our head all day, right? right? But we don't act on it, right? We don't act. We don't act on these foul things. Okay, I'll give you an example, right? I was last night, night before last. I was sitting on the sofa. And my, my one of my dogs was sit, was sitting next to me, right? Somebody came to the door. The dog barked. He barked right in my ear. It hurt. My first instinct was to turn and pop the dog in the mouth, right? Right? That was my first instinct. But I said, oh, deep. <laughs> okay, calm down, Mike. Right? <laughs> but my ear hurt. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, I need to return blows, right? But that was my – so that's the difference for me, right? What, what, you, okay. what your first instinct is and then what your action is. Because, I, again, I don't care what you think about me, right? If you, if, you, um, if you don't like me or you don't like black people, as long as you don't turn that into some sort of action, whether that's your vote, whether that's uh, not hiring me, whether that's whatever it is, I don't care about your thoughts mm-hmm. unless you turn them into actions. Because once you get to the point where you're trying to police thought, even worse, trying to trying to police an evolutionary, socially conditioned it's reaction, impossible. <laughs> it's yeah. impossible. You're chasing you're chasing ghosts, right? You're you're just yeah. you're you're, wa- you're you're wasting your time. Okay, how, how do those thoughts become issues with policy? How do those how do the when do those thoughts or or, or, or words become issues um, for me and mine uh, in the real world? Because, again, we all go through all kinds of foul stuff in our head, and that does not turn into action in the real world, right? Because we have a word for people that, t- that turn those foul thoughts into action. We call them psychopaths, 
right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We call them. We have names for people like that, right? Because they're they're outside of the norm, right? And to call and to say that this autonomic response—I don't know if autonomic is the right term—but this automated response that our body does, based on again social conditioning and evolution, to call it racism only when it appears in white people is dumb. <laughs> it's dumb and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't help anybody. Absolutely anybody, right? You can call it racism if you want. Okay, I'm t- I'm taking that back. I won't call it dumb. It's a different framing than what I believe. Okay? You can frame it as you will, but I will never frame that as racism because it is totally involuntary. You cannot help it. It is what it is. You know what brother B thinks of that? Um I know for me this um it's I'm mean, listening to what you're saying and I I think there's a lot of truth there. I know for me, when you talk about social conditioning, I was very fortunate to be raised with a couple of parents that just, they weren't racist. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we I had lesbian babysitters when I was a kid. I literally was exposed to every every type of human being in the planet. So it wasn't until I was like in my mm-hmm. teenage years. <laughs> I think that's definitely true because then when you, and, and as a white person, people that are racist have absolutely no edit button around you you're like holy crap what did you just say it is kind of a shocking thing because they automatically because it's part of that thing that you're talking about they automatically assume that you're going to agree with them right yeah and yeah you're like oh well i just to to sort of um undergird what what mg was saying um you know my so my my perspective overall i just is this is a country with um, such a weird, dark, convoluted racial history um, that's been completely unreconciled. You know, it's, it's built yeah. on, on 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 native genocide and the genocide yeah. of Africans, and you know, like to a great degree, none of that has been um, like the history of it is, has yet to be fully recorded and accepted. Um, and so, everyone, as a result. We we have um, just fucked up notions on race. Everyone, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's I just the, the nature of, of being a, a part of, of this culture that um, is sort of predicated on on fucked up notions of race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like that that's that's just sort of like my 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 foundation. Um, but to to sort of go along with all of this, um, uh, Bridgeway Gray wrote an article in Current Affair. Uh, called the politics of shame, and she highlighted this this study from 2000, 2007 on morality, where basically you know this whole notion that you identify this trait in people and you label it externally um, to change their behavior is completely counterproductive. It just doesn't. It, it has the opposite mm-hmm. effect. Um, yeah. It makes them like like the whole deplorables thing. It makes them embrace embrace it as an identity. Um, and so, like, I guess um, that that's this, this whole like the the current kind of um, kerfluffle around like affinity bias is racism. Um, well, only if you decide that it has to be, and we essentially force it to be. Okay. I, I, it, it's sort of where like that that's the the level of intervention right now. Um, okay, so it, let me ask it, you a question, Brother B. What what is the inherent problem with the neoliberal bias on or focus even on race relations? They they tend to focus it as an identity over everything else. 
So would you say the, the most inherent problem with that is this shame thing that you're discussing, or do you think it's um, other stuff as well? Well, you know, it, it's other stuff as well. I mean, it, so I, I guess now my, my question um, to everyone who um, is essentially running around calling people class essentialists, like, um, so what is, what is your end goal? Because I, I feel like mm-hmm. I, can, I can explain my end goal really very simply and very clearly. Um, mm-hmm. But for, for the people who, who insist that we really need to identify racism in people and label it and call it out, like, okay, fine, fine. Um, if that's what we're doing right now, what is, how does that relate to where you want us to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brother B is really good at that, you know, we end up, well, especially in the case of this affinity bias or bias versus, these, you know, in, um, this implicit bias versus bias versus racism, which they are two separate things. But I'm, again, I'm not even going to fight that fight anymore. You know, and, he, and one of the, he, he kind of um, when he jumped in, the, when he jumped in the uh, um, in the conversation with his cape flapping in the wind, as he does. Uh, <laughs> OK, so where are we going with all this? Right. It's like, okay, you say it's racism, he says it's affinity bias or whatever it is. At the end of the day, what, what's the goal? Where are we going? What, what, what's the goal? Or is this argument going to get us Medicare for all? You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, right. yeah he's right. <laughs> you know, right. so I, I think um, because for me and, and Brother Beat and I talked about this, um, uh, uh, I guess, about a month or two ago uh, about um, building toward coalition. Right. Because we need coalition. I guess we'll probably talk about that yeah. a little bit later in this. But um, if we're going to build toward coalition, we can't be making an enemy out of 70 percent. We can't just uh, make an enemy and write off 70 percent of the country. That's that's crazy. That's that's asinine. Right. So for me, um, for me, we've we've got to if we're going to build towards uh, coalition, it's not about coddling white people. That drives yeah. me nuts. It's about That's having a conversation, right? If you think yeah. having a normal conversation or even, especially when you're talking about thorny stuff that could be thrown around as accusation and, and be uh, a smear and, and, you know, and color your whole life, really, right? Um, you know, there's a few things that you can call somebody that, re- that, 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 um, that uh, really uh, make people cringe. It's racist. Um, there's, you know, pedophile. Um, uh, huh? I'm sorry. I was just, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's things in our society that, um, that, uh, anti-Semite, that's another one that you mm-hmm. call people that automatically colors the conversation and shuts everything down. Michael, what if mm-hmm. they really are racist or anti-Semitic? Let me ask you that right there. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about this. It'll be revealed through the conversation, right? Uh, again, Brother okay. Beat is really, he's really good at you. sniffing out people that are disingenuous during a conversation, right? And most yeah. of us are to a degree, right? And again, that goes back to our, um, our, 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 um, uh, these, our social engineering and our evolution, right? Because over t- over time, you'll get you'll get the signals that somebody's that somebody's not being dishonest, right? It's not somebody's not being honest in this conversation, right? Somebody who's just mm-hmm. just trying to string you along, or just trying to make you look stupid, or just doesn't really care, just and they're trolling, or that they're, they're paid troll, paid, just yeah. yeah, getting paid, slinging out stupid uh, talking points that make no sense, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So you, you you so again so if you run into somebody who's truly a racist right you'll see over time right and 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 it's worth yeah. having those conversations right okay so 
Let's talk about it. Okay, let's have this discussion about race. This is what you believe. This is what I believe. Here's the science behind what I believe. Uh, and you've got one book by Charles Murray that's the science behind what you believe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and you kind of, and you have these conversations, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. in a ridicule fashion like I just did, but yeah. you will see, okay, that guy's a waste of time, erase his number, and we go on to the next person, right? So, um, but even, even so, even in you, when we talk about building coalition, right? It could be you build a coalition, you have courses, really, right? Two or three courses that, okay, this is, how, this is how we feel about race, this is how we feel about class, this is what we think the solutions are, here's the intersection of class and race how we see it take the course and come talk mm-hmm. to us right so yeah. then you kind of so, you kind of level level the playing field and it saves everybody a lot of time and energy you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i do so let me ask you a question on mm-hmm. that note do you think that mm-hmm. um, it's a different conversation coming from a white person versus someone that's black like if i say if i'm having a, if i'm in a conversation let's say with um a, a white neo-nazi what mm-hmm. is it a different thing if I call him out versus if you call him out? I mean, obviously they're going to well, look at my last name Berg, and then they're, that's going to be a problem. But <laughs> but until that point, but, you know, like that guy the other day yeah. that said, "Have you looked in the mirror on Twitter?" Uh, for folks that aren't on Twitter, a Nazi basically said to me, "Have you looked in the mirror? You're white as mm-hmm. a snowflake. You're a race traitor, or whatever he said." And I was like, "Why does mm-hmm. it?" Oh, I was a self-hater. That's what he said. I'm like, oh, I don't understand this concept at all. It makes no sense to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, and that's, that's one of, another thing about how we interact with one of there. There are some spaces where uh, black people prefer white folks not tread, right? But for you, you're an academic, right? So that's something different, yeah. right? So if a, a white academic comes along and has and really has an understanding for these things, that's one thing. But if the you know the average white guy off the street it just comes in clumsy knocking stuff over and doesn't doesn't really know anything, that's something different. But I, but I'm a, as long as that person's willing to learn, let's let's talk about it. Okay, that's not really okay. right. Let's discuss it, right? Um, but I, I don't I don't think. I, but I don't think part of part of being an ally means you shut up and sit in the corner. I mean, I'm I'm on the record with this one. I'd rather have that dude that's a little clumsy, <laughs> but that's willing to get it in when when shit gets hot, <laughs> then then right. somebody's just gonna sit in the corner. Because when shit gets hot, that dude's still gonna be sitting in that corner. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so so I'd rather have that guy that's a little bit of got a little bit bull in the china shop in him, but willing to learn, than the guy that just sits in the corner. You told him to sit in the corner because this is my space. But if we're building coalition, isn't it our space? What movie was that? <laughs> oh no, yeah, I, was, I was just agreeing totally and completely with that. Yes, my bad. I got it right, Dan. <laughs> you two agree with me. I must be doing something right. <laughs> right. So, of course, then the obvious uh-huh. question to me is, you know, I wrote about race as a vacuous concept back in 2005, and it and I, and at that time it was sort of this crazy out on a limb thought to have, but we had just finished decoding the human genome and it became very clear to me that we're pretty much all the same and any sort of phenotypical or superficial trait isn't attached to anything with any deep meaning whether that's intelligence morality all of those things there's no there's no way to make that case so Mm -hmm. um you know, and that's a hard pill for both the right and the left to swallow because we have built so much of our social and political uh, ideology, our institutions on this concept mm-hmm. of race, you know, on both sides. Um, so yeah. my question for you guys is this, does a continuing commitment to race further a continuing commitment to racism or can we separate those things? 
Ooh, go ahead, brother. Mike. <laughs> you know, honestly, um, so I, I guess like what you were looking at in, in 2005 um, is uh, sort of what I've been looking at over the, the last year to, to a great degree, um, looking at race sort of intellectually uh, again is, is new to me again. Um, and mm, like, so okay. I've been exploring like the Field Sisters and Adolph Reed, um, Cedric Robinson, some, and, you know, a few different people. And like, honestly, I, I keep finding myself coming back to, um, back to the Field and Adolph Reed because... The book is tackling. Um, and what makes it so provocative to me is that it's not just a challenge necessarily to racists, but it's a challenge to people like me. It's a challenge to African-Americans who've accepted the fact of race and define themselves by the concept of race. Is that good? I, I think that's fair to say. Okay, all right, all right. So getting to this, this, this notion, and I, I, I sort of touched on it in my explanation, but getting to this notion of differentiating between racism and racecraft. At some point in the book, very early on, you point out that racecraft is not necessarily racism, but it has the footprints, the, the handprints of racism there. Yeah, I actually intended to read that passage. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Don't, don't allow me to step on you. Go ahead. No, I don't mean that. I mean, I think it might be useful to the audience. Okay. But finish what you were saying. No, no, go ahead, please. Okay, so I, because I think he has hit on um, one of the key things about our argument, because we do want to uh, distinguish race from racism, from racecraft. And uh, I'll read you a passage where we try to do that. Throughout the book, we strive to think rigorously about the world of experience that Americans designate by the shorthand race. That very shorthand is our abiding target because it confuses three different things, race, racism, and racecraft. The term race stands for the conception or the doctrine that nature produced humankind in distinct groups, each defined by inborn traits that its members share and that differentiate them from the members of other distinct groups of the same kind, but of unequal rank. Uh, fitting actual humans to any such grid inevitably calls forth the busy repertoire of strange maneuvering that is part of what we call racecraft. The 19th century bio-racists, bio, bio that's our coinage, <laughs> ultimately vain search for traits with which to demarcate human groups regularly exhibited such maneuvering. Race is the principal unit and core concept of racism. Racism refers to the theory and the practice of applying a social, civic, or legal double standard based on ancestry and to the ideology surrounding such a double standard. That may be what the economist Glenn Lowry intends when he identifies, quote, a withholding of the presumption of equal humanity. Racism is not an emotion or state of mind such as intolerance, bigotry, hatred, or malevolence. If it were that, it would easily be overwhelmed because most people mean well most of the time 
and in any case are usually busy pursuing other purposes. Racism is first and foremost a social practice, which means that it is an action and a rationale for action, or both at once. Racism always takes for granted the objective reality of race as just defined, so it is important to register their distinctness. The shorthand, race, transforms racism, something an aggressor does, into race, something the target is, in a sleight of hand that is easy to miss. Consider the statement, black southerners were segregated because of their skin color, a perfectly natural sentence to the ears of most Americans who tend to overlook its weird causality. But in that sentence, segregation disappears as the doing of segregationists, and then in a puff of smoke, puff, reappears as a trait of only one part of the segregated whole. Distinct from race and racism, racecraft does not refer to groups or to ideas about groups' traits, however odd both may appear in close-up. It refers instead to mental terrain and to pervasive belief. Like physical terrain, racecraft exists objectively. It has topographical features that Americans regularly navigate, and we cannot readily stop traversing it. Unlike physical terrain, racecraft originates not in nature, but in human action and imagination. It can exist in no other way. The action and imagining are collective, yet individual, day-to-day -day yet historical, and consequential even though nested in mundane routine. The action and imagining emerge as part of moment-to-moment -moment practicality, that is, thinking about and executing every purpose under the sun. Do not look for racecraft, therefore, only where it might be said to belong. Finally, racecraft is not a euphemistic substitute for racism. It is a kind of fingerprint evidence that racism has been on the scene. Basically, the way that they view race, in, in the end, like it feels intellectually sound. It makes sense in terms of what the goal, what the goal is. And so, like, I was listening, mm -hmm. listening to um, okay. Adolf Reed um, on uh, the Michael Brooks show. Um, his interview there, and and basically he was making the point uh, of your question. Like this, this I, I feel like the the reason that I keep pushing back and why I I keep um, maybe getting um, stepping on the toes of, of of some some of our mutuals on um, on on Twitter <laughs> is right. like the way right. the way that they are are approaching race is. Like it, 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 I can I can lay it out, and it takes a little while, but it's essentially like the black face of of white supremacy. It's like a just the black justification for white supremacy. Like it basically, it, it is it, it is this this well like as as Reed keeps saying, it's this ontological view of race where um it is it is more important to white people than their lives essentially. Like you were saying earlier, Brother B, we've never really dealt with our history. And I'm a, you know, I've talked mm -hmm. with Michael about this. I'm a big believer in reparations for this reason. Why shouldn't the children of slaves be 
paid for not only the labor that their ancestors gave, but also the loss of land, uh, the building of a life, the legacy. I mean, there's so many Mm -hmm. things that are attached to that. And I think something like that would help to um, further healing in the country. But it's a very complicated issue. And on the, at the same time, I also think it, very it can make, yeah, I think it can make the case for race being a cultural thing versus, I mean, it's obviously not a biological. Um, we know that now. Mm-hmm. Um, race is a social concept. It's not a scientific one, even though it was attributed to scientists early on, like people like Linnaeus trying to define uh, different races and, and different species. Uh, it, it's impossible to talk about race without using racist terminology and classification terminology. At least I haven't worked out how to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we all uh, evolved out of a group uh, that migrated out of Africa uh, for the most part. Um, and so we all have common origins. And there's not, if we could sequence the genome of everybody on the planet right now and compare them, uh, there, there would no, be no bright lines, in, particularly uh, with characteristics that people associate with uh, simplistically with race, skin color, etc. Uh, we're part of a continuum. So it can't be a scientific definition. Uh, and the problem is when people try to apply science to sort out these social definitions, it all falls apart. Uh, and it's a real problem and it's something we write about quite a bit in terms of race-based medicine because several physicians want to practice and some pharmaceutical companies support this practice of practicing medicine based on the skin color of the patient that comes in to see you. So, you know, like when I was, um, when I had undergrads in my class, there was always stark differences between European black folk and American black folk on this subject. And I think a lot of it has to do with the American history. Uh, there's a lot of racism in Europe. Don't kid yourself a lot. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's the birth of the Nazis. Right. But I think mm-hmm. there is a different sort of history there than what we have here in the United States. And it sort of, um, it sort of holds up this idea that, racial identity matters more than any of the other things that are married to that, such as class. Um, What do you think? Um, I think um, John Conyers is on to something when he, when he, um, when he uh, produced legislation to, to investigate what, you know, what, what was the actual toll taken on a black community from slavery on up to through, through Jim Crow, uh, um, Uh, slavery by another name, redlining, right. the whole nine yards, right? Doing that calculation, yeah, and, yeah, all of that, right? All of that. And even if you start going into, um, start going to other parts of the law, like uh, maiming and, and all these other things that happen, it's going to get pricey. And I think part of, partially, at least partially, that's why people are people are being paid to keep us from having this conversation. Again, mm-hmm. that's the class and race intersection that people are avoiding with everything in their power, right? Because that is a very, very, very expensive conversation, right? Because at one point, slaves were more valuable than railroads. They were more valuable yeah. than banks. They were more valuable than 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 the, the, the land they were standing on, right? They were the most valuable right. commodity in the country of bar none, 
right? So at some point, and there was a lot of pieces to that puzzle, whether it was the logistics piece, the shipping, you know, shipping and, and uh, um, the, the, the insurance and all these other things that, that, that sat on top of the, the institution of slavery along with the cotton and everything else, right? right. Um, all right. of those things that depended on slavery were, are still still hold that well today and it's multiplied over the over the decades oh, right yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so i mean over the centuries right so if yeah. we ever face that and really have that conversation again yeah. that is for for especially for for for, for the, um, us as the sentence of slaves especially for us that is a that is a conversation on that intersection of race and class that is one that nobody with with money and power wants to have Right. And then once we start having that conversation and people start getting Medicare for all and people start getting um, um, they have this sort of economic healing. Right. And people aren't, you know, and people can have the opportunity to stand back and be able to breathe and look at the look into the future and even into the past and improve our education system. That's going to be a no brainer. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Because people, because yeah. people, because when there's less to go around, people are less likely to have less willing to have conversations like that, which is the social economic engineering part of all this austerity and everything else. Right. The, the austerity is nothing more than economic sanctions placed internally. And economic- That's a fair. Con- mm-hmm. you know, you're talking yeah. about moneyed interests and by moneyed interests, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you're including not only the wealthy one percent, but corporate interests. Look, they, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. they want to rape and pillage their way through Central America, Africa, and every other third world country. So why would mm-hmm. they ever want to come to terms with what they did here in this country? Because once I mean, that happens, <laughs> then you got to deal with colonization. You got to deal with all, all these other right. things that you got to deal with. I mean, you don't have, obviously you don't have to deal with because they haven't, right? Right, mm-hmm. because I mean, mm-hmm. we've given we've given reparations to the Jews, we um to to uh, right. to, to, to the to the Japanese, um we've yeah. given some some measly forms of reparations to to Native Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the racist racist the right wingers are quick to say, well, you guys said we we gave we put seventeen trillion into into welfare. That's not wealth building. That's keeping no. you breathing, right? <laughs> you can't build wealth off of that. You know, that's, 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 that's dumb, right? So even if you yeah. did, if, okay, let's say that 70, all of it went to black people, right? We're talking about 50 years versus 400, right? Yeah. We've been, we've been, we've been hobbled for 50 years. I mean, we were hobbled for 400 years. We got, we got a little bit of room to run for 50 years and they were constantly pulled, taking everything back during that process because the, the conservative yeah. movement never sleeps ever, ever sleeps, <laughs> right? So you, if you're gonna, if we're gonna have that conversation, like, okay, it's been 50 years, damn it, get over. After 400, really? Is that is that the conversation yeah. we're gonna have? You know, that right. doesn't make any that math doesn't work for anybody. No, you know, but uh, but it again, doesn't. that you know, that's just my theory of things. I'm sorry, brother. Right, that's I was kind of, I was kind of oh. taking over there. Oh no, I um, I, so I I race I recently um kind of wrote a little bit about um. Tanahisi Coates' uh, case for reparations and Adolph Reed mm-hmm. Jr.'s uh, case against reparations, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which you know essentially they are both right. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, like Coates is basically making uh, a moral argument, and and Reed is making a political argument. Um, 
you know, right. so like, okay. the, like the idea of, of like money going to, to people. And um, I want one quote of, of reads from, from uh, his article that I thought was just really pertinent um, to put it more provocatively. How does a project that seems so obviously a non-starter in American politics come to capture so much of the public imagination? Um, after mm-hmm. all, support for affirmative action has eroded significantly, and reparations mm-hmm. raises the ante on compensatory policy exponentially. Why has mm-hmm. this idea attained currency now? And you know, like, so I, I, the idea, uh, like the the idea of of some sort of truth and reconciliation, um, I think is powerful um, because it, it's yeah. not about that. You know, like uh, Kanye's idea is not about like, hey, let's put out money right now. Um, mm-hmm. And like when we when we keep class and and um, class and race and and all of the other identities together basically when mm-hmm. we when we really center class and and think about uh, the way that we we look at um at sort of racial disparities it's always on on economic indicators mm-hmm. right. but then like when we start talking about 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 fixing it it's sometimes it's reparations but more generally it's like we really need to do something about white supremacy um we, yeah. we start like talking about housing but then it goes back out like to something huge in general yeah mm-hmm. you just said something so salient brother beat um he says you're it all right. the time. I hate it. I know. I know. I love it. And in fact, audience, if you're not following Brother Beat on Twitter, you should be because it's it's a good it's a good feed. Yes, but you it. just said something that was really salient. So you're right on this, and I never really thought deeply on it. When people talk about class, it's easy to talk about you know the money and stuff. But the minute the conversation switches to race, the money part disappears as if it's not a problem. Oh, yeah. Why, the, you yeah, know, absolutely. which makes no sense that's what, that, that because ghetto the, poverty moment we had with Bernie. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah. but we're not poor. The- <laughs> there's a long history, you guys, of um, there's a long mm-hmm. history of this concept of class being connected to race. It's not a new concept. Malcolm X discussed it. Martin Luther King discussed mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. this. So why? How did we get to this divergence? I feel like in modern America, 2018, 2016, 2017, the last couple of years, we've reached this place where there's a divergence between uh, race and class. Because Bernie scared, because Bernie scared people. That's why mm-hmm. we're here. <laughs> Bernie scared the shit out of people. <laughs> it is what it is, right? Here's this guy okay. with a with, with a uh, civil rights past, right, and still fights for us on economic bounds every day in, in Congress, right? Not to deify Bernie, but it is what it is. His record is his record. Yeah. <laughs> right, his yeah. record is his record. Right? You can cry about it all houses. you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that raggedy ass lake house? <laughs> Shit, I can afford that. <laughs> we can cobble together some nickels to buy that some bitch. But in any event, you know, and that's and that's the problem. Bernie scared the powers that be. He's filling stadiums. He was pulling more people to stay in than Obama was. Right? Yeah. This old crusty ass old man was filling stadiums better than the <laughs> the, the best politician we have seen in, in our lifetimes. Right? Yeah. And this crusty old dude with his with his uh non quote unquote non starter um policies, he was he was bringing in the bodies, black, white, purple, pink, blue. And nothing yeah. scares the powers that be more than a multiracial, multicultural coalition. 
right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we just had this fight a few minutes ago on Twitter. I just dipped in for a minute. I can't say I was in that fight. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I came in, dropped, dropped a little, dropped a little thing, a couple of things, and bounced. Um, but yeah, I ran out. Yeah, yeah. Because brother, if he gets a swinging, you might get punched in the mouth when he swings. Your brother beat is always on eleven. You said what? <laughs> Damn, brother B. Damn. No, I know. It's good stuff. So, wait. And speaking yeah, of, uh, brother B, you brought up Bernie earlier, uh, like Michael's talking about now, but you specifically brought up the Daily Beast um, situation where he was getting dragged for his comment in regards to Andrew Gillum, which I couldn't quite what? understand because the first thing he said was that racism played a role in the race. And I uh, clearly. In the did. campaigns, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, why? he was very specific about it. Exactly. So then why was he being dragged and called a racist? Um, by by race identitarians who are um, probably setting themselves up to access um, potential future black contenders, you mean? Um, yeah, those guys. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those guys. <laughs> Very uncomfortable question, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna braze it because I've often thought this, and it's one of those things you think, and you're like, is that crazy that I'm thinking this, or is it just uncomfortable? Uh-oh. It seems mm-hmm, to right. me that that extreme identity politics are more or less the flip side of identitarianism. Um, and if you don't know what I mean by identitarianism, it's sort of the religion that Richard Spencer applies. It feels like everybody's doing the same level there. Is that a crazy thing to think? Go ahead and yell at me if you think so. No, that's, 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 no. that's exactly what I was saying. It's, it's white supremacy okay. and black thing. <laughs> white supremacy and black slaves i'm writing that one down i'm stealing that before you write it <laughs> yeah because i think at the end of the day any extreme is is bad right um this is this is um uh my girl amanda uh what the plucked on on twitter she she she, she calls it she calls it weaponized tokenism which is big, right? See, Amanda calls Ooh. it weaponized tokenism. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't be stealing that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> right? And that, and that's really what, that is the most succinct um, definition, or most succinct phrase I've ever heard for what the, these people are doing, right? Because it is weaponized, right? They use black faces to silence black people like Adolf Reed and, and people who really understand what's going on. They use these black faces in high places to silence us, right? Now, okay, us is a strong word. The silence people like Brother Beat and Adolf Reed, smart people, right? So, right. so they use these black faces to silence us on one side, and the other side is to try to gather black people to um, try to um, herd them in places where they, where they can be controlled by, uh, by, ID, by identity politics, right? And that's part of the reason why Bernie scares the crap out of people is that, you know, he's like, what is this, every time I see a poll, he's like 70, 80% with black people, you know? Yeah. 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 On the that ground, they're funny. failing miserably on this mission, right? Miserably, because black folks are like, oh, wait a minute, he's higher, higher minimum wage? Healthcare? And I'm supposed to be hating yeah. this guy? Are you high? Right? Because most like most black if you hear it with if you hear Bernie speak without that um that filter that that the, for black for black people without that black intellectual elite filter, if you just hear him speak what he actually says or read what he actually writes without that filter, it makes complete sense. 
<laughs> it can complete right. in other sense. That's like the daily, the, the, specifically the Daily Beast part. If you read what he says about the people being uncomfortable, it is a definition of of implicit bias. It is an absolute definition of implicit mm-hmm. bias, right? And he even used it to. It was to me, it was brilliant. It was because it was really, it was brilliant. It was subtle, right? Because he he calls out the problem, right? Not not blaming anybody for. Um, for being for this this thought coming into their into their head because they can't help it, right? And then and then leaving the door open for you to come back to the fold, right? Like Obama voters who voted for voted for Trump, I mean voted for Obama and voted for Trump, right? You can't you can't close the door on those people if you plan on winning winning the White House. You can't. You absolutely can't. Right? That's the, it's, you know they they want they want Bernie to have a deplorables moment. That's what they're trying to engineer here. Yes. Right. So, um, and that's, that's my problem with all this, right? They're trying to get Bernie to, to, because they realize now, to my mind. He'll never take the bait. Yeah, he, yeah, he's way too, he's way too crafty for that, right? Because that's why they're stuck spinning stuff that he didn't, stuff that he says that are, that is correct as wrong. It's like the ghetto poverty moment. I was with some young people active in the Black Lives Matter movement. Young lady comes up to me and she says, you don't understand what police do in certain black communities. You don't understand the degree to which we are terrorized. And I'm not just shooting, I'm not just talking about the horrible shootings that we have seen, which have got to end and we've got to hold police officers accountable. I'm just talking about everyday activities where police officers are bullying people. So what, to answer your question, I would say, and I think it's similar to what the secretary said, when you're white, you don't know what it's like to be living in a ghetto. You don't know what it's like to be poor. You don't know what it's like to be hassled when you walk down the street or you get dragged out of a car. And I believe that as a nation in the year 2016, we must be firm in making it clear we will end institutional racism and reform a broken criminal justice system. You look at mm-hmm. any, any economic measure, we are economically, we are at the bottom of the pile, right? Mm-hmm. But yet and still mm-hmm. you had these, um, the Angela Rise of the world, the Joy Reeds of the world saying, we ain't poor. Maybe you ain't. You ain't. <laughs> Maybe you ain't. Maybe the folks around you ain't. But according to these numbers, we are poor, right? The the the, yeah. the median black family is worth seven family not individual the median black black family is worth seventeen hundred dollars if you remove a uh, move or uh, if you remove um uh, perishable not perishable what's the term uh, depreciating goods right like cars oh, and, okay. and and clothes yeah, yeah. And, or if you remove depreciating goods the average black family is worth seventeen hundred dollars on a good day mm-hmm. right. While the average wife, white, white, the median white family is worth like 10K. I, I think that's the numbers, right? You, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, no, you know, that's not- Antonio Moore and uh, Yvette Carnell. Yvette They're good Joe. with these numbers. Yeah. Yeah, they, right. they, they have these numbers off the top of their head. But I'm just saying, if you can't say black people aren't poor because it's a freaking lie. It's it is true. an absolute lie. So- I think what all of this also illustrates, and including people like Herman Cain, Candace Owens, what this illustrates and should be obvious to most people that flies in the face of identity politics is is that no group is monolithic. 
there are varying Absolutely. degrees of beliefs, varying mm-hmm. degrees of ideologies Absolutely. within each group. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mistake, you know, and, but it, there seems to be a tendency to do it with black folk over others where they're all monolithic. And I think that's, I think it's a little bit offensive, actually, on a certain level, because it sort of takes away mm-hmm. the agency of the individual within that group. That's just my thought on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that all say, goes back to the Democrats, right? Right. And mm-hmm. like a Kanye West, I would it, say the it, more wealthier black folk are definitely absolutely more conservative. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Because they don't want to pay those taxes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There's no getting around that. And that's why most of these people yeah. you, you see saying this crazy shit like black people ain't poor is they're all they all have a little money in their pocket. Right. Yeah. They, they have some money. Yeah. OK, you have money. But the people back here are broke, busted, and, and, and living paycheck to paycheck if they're getting a paycheck, right? Yeah. And yeah. even that 1700 is low because, you know, 10% of black men are in jail. Ten, you know, 10,000 out of 100,000 black men are locked up, right? So if you calculate the, them in this, in this, right, and the long-term yeah. unemployed, it's, it's probably, in the, it's probably in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the triple digits if, if we're lucky. Right. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff is happening to black people. Meanwhile, this 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 bourgeoisie, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, bourgeoisie folks are sitting up on sitting up on their mountain, getting these checks from from the from right. pe- from the very people that are trying to harm black people, right? Mm-hmm. Or trying to keep us from getting what any kind of remedy to our to to where we are. But but part of that also, there's also a ton of white people. That are in the same boat, right? Not not for the same reasons, but right. they're still in the same boat, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that goes back to the coalition building. That's for another day. I'm sorry, brother. Beach, you guys want on that? No, you're 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 doing great actually. <laughs> I'm just running my mouth. <laughs> okay, um, I do want to ask. Let's let's talk about coalition building for a second because it seems to me there's an awful lot mm-hmm. of infighting going on on the left for more or less superficial reasons. I don't see, like, I feel like there's a lack of, or a lack of, uh, or a tendency not to be charitable to other folks' views. And it, the bottom line is this, you're never going to agree with everybody all the time on everything. This is not possible. So once yeah, you realize that, you can have a conversation about the areas in which you can be charitable to somebody having a slightly different viewpoint. You know, I could be, mm-hmm, I can build a coalition with somebody that believes, and, and in fact, Pamela, um, she wrote a piece that sort of made me think deeply on this uh, for Progressive Army about identity politics, where she was actually making the case somewhat for them. And there are, mm-hmm. there are some legitimate things there. So I'm not willing to write. You know, we, I mean, we all want to see, see ourselves in our leadership and in, in the people making our decisions. That's, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's natural. Yeah. That goes back to that affinity bias thing we talked about. Right? Extreme talk about right? You write off everything else that I have a problem. If you tell me, anyone that tells me that class mm-hmm. and race aren't connected, I'm going to be like, wow, that's just so wrong. Yeah, that's yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay, you, you're a knucklehead. I'm moving on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. But at the same time, I might think that I'm not going to say it because these are still folks we can build a coalition with. And here's the bottom line. We are never going to win elections if we don't stop infighting. Like Democrats have to mm-hmm. stop beating up on the Green Party people. The Green Party people have to say all de- stop saying all Democrats are bad. They're not all bad. There are some bad mm-hmm. ones out there for sure. And, and go ahead and criticize their policy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all for that. 
But the point is, is that some yeah. these labels and this infighting doesn't serve us because we need solidarity. No, not at all. All right. So what's your advice? Um, I'd like to hear from each of you on this. What is your advice on how we can be better allies, how we can build coalitions, how we can build solidarity? Because I feel that's an area we really need work on. Okay. Well, let, let me let me let me jump in here and say one thing, and I'm gonna hand it off okay. to Brother B. The main thing to me about coalition is to understand every part, because a coalition is a group of groups, right? Mm-hmm. To understand yeah. everybody in this group is not going to be with you 100% of the way. Understand that yeah. right now. Yeah. Some yeah. will be yeah. 60% of the way, some will be 70% of the way, some will be ride or die, right? And you need to appreciate everybody who's in that, who's there. Okay, hey, you roll with us for up this 60%, appreciate you, we're going to keep pushing, right? That's that's how you that's how you that's how a coalition should function. It shouldn't be you with this one hundred percent. or I'm not fucking with you at all. It, that shouldn't be the way, yeah. right? That's not how you build coalitions. All right, that's all I want to say, brother. B, take it from here. The last two years, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of this, and um, mm. I, I, I I I it's an appealing sentiment. But at the heart, like, you know, I, the, the question that, that I um, that I always ask is, OK, so fine, um, let's build unity. Um, but around what? Mm-hmm. And so it, it goes it goes back to what the goal is, um, what we're building the coalition for. Um, I, I think like with the whole like the, the, the sort of race class discussion, um, what, what needs to be understood is that um, for all of the like i i'm i'm pushing back against all of the the people who are are um like very um pro call out racist because they are putting forward um and and not owning it they're putting forward a class position mm. it's just, yeah. it's not a, a class coalition put position it's an anti class okay. coalition mm. position essentially okay. um and so that like when if if you um notice me pushing back on people um it's because they won't answer the questions about one what is your goal um okay like you you want white progressives to like or or what you call white progressives um because i'm i'm there too um asking questions not really getting answers um Mm -hmm. like so you you want them to do what exactly what are the actions that you want to see and what yeah. is the goal and i my my particular like my goal is um like any any focus on race that does not result um that does not have as its goal a massive redistribution of wealth because yeah. that is that is how racism has actually played out and how mm-hmm. it destabilizes lives is because people don't actually have the resources that they deserve for, um, right. you know, so like the, the, the whole, um, let's, let's, we, we can't trust race. We can't trust white people because they're racist. Every past coalition has fallen apart because white people always go back to being racist. Like all of that bullshit. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm calling it out as the anti-class position that it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, wait. That's okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, I love Michael laughing here. Sorry. So yeah, you know, but if you look, 
white chick checking in. Yeah, not, okay, this, is, this is going to be true of a certain percentage of, of white folks. There's no twigs about it. And I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've you seen know, black folks, too. Let everybody yeah. know it's yeah. going to ride, right? Fair enough. <laughs> right. But like you said, not, you know, black folks are not a monolith, right? Right. Neither are white folk. Nobody's mm-hmm. monolithic. We, we tend to coalesce no, around nobody. ideas. Honestly, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. minus our guttural instincts that you were talking about earlier, I think we tend to coalesce around ideas. But I mean, look at mm-hmm. this, look at it yeah, about, about around ideas and, and people. Right. That's what we call that sort. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> white people mess it up. No, you know who messes it up? The goddamn <laughs> banksters. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, people, the money and power mess it up. <laughs> okay, no, granted, yeah. most of those folks are white. I will grant this. This is undeniably the case. But but the problem isn't that they're white. That's sort of a false equivalence. The problem is that their moneyed interests. They have. Um, they don't. Ca- they don't care about. Black, white, purple, green, pink, whatever. They care about green at the end of the day. And whatever, however that is best served, that's what they're going to go with, I think. So, so where do we go from here? Um, You know, I think what we're, what we are doing right now is what needs to happen across the board. People need to have conversations. There needs to be an open dialogue. And I feel like that's not really happening right now. I feel like folks are just shutting each other down. They're not talking, they're not listening, they're not being charitable. And you know, I learned just in the last hour of our discussion, I learned some stuff. I am guilty, Brother Beat, of being that person to say, you're a racist. I've done it a bazillion times. Um, I, <laughs> oh, who, who hasn't? Yeah, yeah. I know, right? My, um, one of my favorite pastimes. Exactly. <laughs> but it's called my dog a racist all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. A self-hater yeah. or something. I'm like, really? I'm a self-hater? Fuck you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, there are some folks speaking right off. We have a whole I have all kinds of fun with them. Yeah, y'all kiss yeah. my head. Yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, the bigger picture here, you're right on this. Um, and I do think the folks that are guilty of the affinity bias versus the you know neo Nazis, these are folks we need to be all having conversations with. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not just the race issues. It's also the differences on um, slight differences on policy mm-hmm. issues. I see folks. You know, mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about, for exi- exist, for example, what's going on in Broward County right now with the, um, there's Snipes, Brenda Snipes. Oh, has yeah, that's a big been, one, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's, I think it's something that needs to be discussed. Brenda Snipes has been screwing mm-hmm. up for years. She mm-hmm. was she got in trouble for shredding ballots. She's somebody that mm-hmm. is guilty of not preserving the integrity of the electoral system. Mm-hmm. So I, but now I see this conversation digressing into folks getting into their political silos, their race silos, and everybody is attacking each other. And you know, it's very frustrating. Yeah, to yeah, watch. yeah. But, that, but that, but that goes back. That, that goes back to a simple question: Would Broward be in this in this situation if they they would have fired her ass when she lost no. that damn lawsuit to Canova? If they would have exactly. fired her ass then, they would not be in this situation now. That's on the Democrats. Mm-hmm. They're too, they were too busy. They were too busy trying to keep her, um, trying to keep her in her place. I recognize there's a lot on the line here, but we got to be real about um, what this, what really happened. We just can't be yelling at people. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't say shit. Don't say. I'm staying out of it, yeah, right? Because I don't need, I don't need any extra drama in my life, right? But the reality mm-hmm. is, if you can't, if you can't answer that question. It, would we be here if the Democrats had to fight her ass back then? If you can't honestly answer that question, while you're out here, you know, 
you know, look, yay, Broward County shit, whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. If you can't honestly answer that question, you know, it, you, you're not really, you're not being realistic about this, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. do, do, would I prefer um, Gillum over DeSantis? Absolutely, right? Oh but you God, got this. No. You, but you got this person who has been a problem for years, right? And the Democrats didn't get rid of her. Now you now you're gonna cry. Pull, you're gonna be and you get my face with the pull mouth. Hey, it shouldn't got nothing to do with me. I'm not defending her. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'll right, just be, exactly be silent. It. That's exactly it. Can't we say that both of these things are wrong? I don't know why we're siloing. I I see here. So, but I'm not willing to defend Brenda Snipes over any of this because she has been very bad and screwed up Mm -hmm. some stuff. You know, and even here in California, we Mm -hmm. had, um, well, you'll have to listen to my podcast with Ruben Major, but the ACLU sued the state of California Mm -hmm. over election integrity issues. And this has gotten very, very little media coverage. So it's, you know. The Democrats do the same stuff as the Republicans do? What? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know, shocking, right? It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Brother, Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that, but honestly, that that's part of part of the. the oh man, I, I, I'm they 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 are horrible on this period, and and the fact mm-hmm. that after 2000 2004 um, with Ohio, that like election integrity has never become like even like a a, a big uh, even like sort of a, a side project for the Democrats. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, I'm, why why is anyone surprised that uh, that the system that they that they let um, continue to fail? Um, why are we surprised that uh, that it's come back to bite them on the ass again? Well, that's exactly, exactly it. We and that's that's more to Michael's point. If the Democrats had dealt with this years ago when they should have, it wouldn't be coming back around to bite them in the ass now. So mm-hmm. I yeah, it's a very frustrating yeah, they, situation. They for they fertilize that they fertilize that ground for the for the Republicans to shit on them all. You know, <laughs> yeah, they that's, that's on them. No, that's you know, their the, fault. Michael, the worst part is this: the Republicans always take something that we do half-assed, and they always take it to the mm-hmm. next level and do it ten times better. Like when will we learn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We we need to we need to you know I, you know we need to stop calling Trump stupid and calling people stupid. Are you calling what you want really? But you know, calling people stupid because they don't believe what you believe. We've been getting our ass stomped out since the sixties. You know right. what I mean? You know, I, the, the, let's let's be honest about that, right? After you know, after that 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 run of assassination from Med Grabbers on to MLK and and Malcolm X, right? Yeah. After that string, including including JFK and RFK. After the, that string of assassinations, we have been on we have been on roller skates, getting pushed back right. the whole time, right? They've taken the we courts, you right? They, they've taken the courts. We can't, we can't, we we cannot mount a a, a decent um, progressive uh, fight back. We're getting there a little bit, right? You know, but then you yeah. you still have people that you know. Okay, we we've made more progress than the damn Tea Party ever did. But yet still, it's not enough. You know, there's people out there like, well, the Democrats can't be fixed. It's been three years, dude. Two years if you just count the election, right? Yeah. It's been three years yeah. since Bernie stood up and started deciding he wanted to run for office. And you think you're going to turn the party around in in, in three years? No, we can't really? turn around what took 40 years to decide. Really? <laughs> yeah, it took it took 50 years for the for the for the for the Republicans to get where they are. Right. Yeah. It took what since since the um, since the, the, the 90s for the for the um, for the third wave Democrats to take over the party. 
right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and and we and, and they had money. We ain't got shit. Right? And you think we're going to turn the party, we're going to take a, turn around a national, one of the most powerful political parties in the world, we're going to turn it around in, one, in half a cycle? Get the fuck out of here. Right? If that's your standard, you're dumb, or, you're, or, or you're, you're, you want to tear this thing down. There are no other options. Right? There are no other options. And they're talking about... There are no other because yeah. we are we are a bicameral system. Although I really wish yeah. like people would stop yelling at independents and Green Party and voter shaming because this doesn't help either. These are people yeah. we need to be building a coalition with. Exactly, exactly. Because people always come to me, you know, support this party, support that. I mean, support the Greens, support um, uh, 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 the it a four new party, Nick Brandis thing, right? They support this, support yeah. that. And, and you know, um, but, you know, I, I know they're in the background they're trying to build coalition, but you know, there's a there's a, some leadership issues there, right? Uh, um, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spill the beans because I, you know, I'm in the know. You know, the yeah. four People's Party folks went in there and tried to build coalition like they were in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And that that mm-hmm. that rubbed a lot of folks. This was last year sometime, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're new on the block, right? You got organizations like PIP and these other organizations that are doing their best and been here for a while. And you're going to come in and try to be in charge of them? Really? <laughs> well, no matter how good or bad these organizations are, that rubs people the wrong way, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, right. we, we've got to, um, uh, we've got to be careful about, um, uh, you know, treating people, <clears throat> treating people poorly or treating people like we're, you know, this organization is better than that organization. When we all need each other. You know, right. this is important. This is important, right? And yeah, to denigrate what people have so done, right? Yeah. It will, and you know, and, and I love Jimmy uh, Dore, right? I, 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 I like his show. I don't know him personally, right? Um, but this, you know, um, the party hasn't changed. He's one of the he's one of the ones that the party's not going to move, right? No, it's never going to change. Yeah. Uh, after three years, really, it has changed. It absolutely, it, it has absolutely changed. has changed. It not changed enough. Yeah. But it has he, certainly changed a little bit. Not has changed enough, right? DSA won all these seats. Yeah, are we going to put? Are we putting DSA putting people in the White House? No, of course not. Greens won some no. seats. Our Revolution won some seats. Justice Democrats. All these organizations yeah, that stood up yeah, after yeah. after Bernie, they did pretty damn well. They did pretty damn not perfect, right? Not great, but they're doing pretty damn well. And to 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 just to just say, well, that's not good enough after only three years. Really, yeah. really. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's I ridiculous. Think, I think that's true. All right, so um, what would be your parting words for the audience on this subject? Brother Beep, Brother Beep. Brother Beep. Brother Beep. Interesting. Um, <laughs> 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 um, I, I, I think um, just sort of my, my uh, um, it's, it's not class or race. Um, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's class um manifested in in racial ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. um and i we we need to start talking about what our end goal is what the the purpose of the coalition is like what what do we want people to do i i, I think that that's an important um that's an important place to to start pushing these conversations because right now it's it's all sort of stuck in um, discrete bullshit like discrete mm-hmm. in this moment bullshit um, and yeah. that mm-hmm. is not about anything that's not about anything systemic and that's not about actually impacting anyone's lives in in any materially positive way. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I agree. And what about you, yeah. Michael Graham? Yeah. Um, I, I wrote something and I didn't get credit for it, but you know, I, I thought it was a great line. Um, and and uh, back when I was with Progressive Army, I wrote, um, um, uh, "Economics is the is a conduit through which um, race impacts our lives." Right? Um, yeah. Other than that, other than that, it doesn't really matter. Right. If you this this if, if if you're being mean to me because you don't like this color of my skin, as long as you can't impact my life, I don't care. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. That's a yeah. that's a that's a chi- that's a childish frame, right? That's a very childish mm-hmm. frame. Uh another piece that I wrote is make make white people be nice to me, right? That's all people mm-hmm. are saying. I want people to be nice to me. I care about what they think about me. I don't what? Mm-hmm. We're 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 gonna police people's thinking. Okay, yeah, you're wasting everybody's time. In any in any event, and I think yeah. we need to take this class. We need if if your race analysis doesn't have any class analysis, you didn't make a race analysis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go back to the drawing yeah. board, right? And we need solutions, right? We we're, we were we yeah them. we were, and I think um I, and I think the the progressive platforms that care for all all these things all those and you know fifteen dollar minimum wage although it probably should be you know at seventeen twenty by now re- yeah. irrelevant fight for fifteen I'm with you right we yeah. should this is we need to get behind um the the uh, excuse me we need to get behind these policies. And also get behind and defend the people that are standing up for us. For instance, this yeah. situation with, with Bernie, you know, somebody, somebody, somebody was in that, in that affinity bias argument said, you know, you can get beyond Bernie. And I told them very succinctly with somebody with, with better policies or good policies comes, comes along with the, with, um, with the numbers that, that, that make them viable. Sure. I'll do that. You got anybody? Silence. Yeah. Yeah, Silence. caught anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Silence. Silence. Yeah, because there's it's a lack stupid. of authentic politicians out there that can command that kind of Absolutely. audience. Absolutely. There's no two ways about it. I'm sorry. I know I'm talking a little long, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, uh, when 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 Dame Dash and and uh, Daisy split. You know, as he mm-hmm. said, uh, uh, when Jay said, Jay said in the song, he said, "You you made me. Okay, then make another one." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, if it's that easy, if you made me, it's that easy. It was, okay, yeah. you make another one. You know, right. so uh, right. and, and that's what we are. Okay, we just gonna pop up another burn, right? And and, and everything's gonna be all right. We, you can't replace that. You cannot right, right now. And that's what that's what I told people back in uh, you know back after he lost. Right. Okay. Let's get beyond Bernie. I said, okay. For me, age is an issue. I mean, in reality, age is an issue. He needs somebody to replace him for the long term. I get that. Right. But, and I was hoping somebody would would appear and after the after the midterms didn't happen. There's no no. Yeah. You know, um, people say he's not grooming people, but he's grooming people. Right. That's what our revolution is. It's grooming people to take his place. Right. Among them is Nina Turner. Right. I love Nina. Uh, uh, she's amazing, right? He's grooming people every day, but it's just, okay. he just, he just, he just pushed it. He just moved that, 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 um, responsibility to our revolution and they're doing a damn good job. I think so. so. I need, yeah, I think we need to be very careful about, um, dealing with people who have nothing positive to say. I went off on somebody about that. If you got nothing positive to say, I understand analysis. I understand. Um, let's have an honest conversation about how things are going. But if everything that comes out of your mouth is we didn't get there or it's never going to happen, I, I got no time for you. I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to be Pollyanna. 
but I don't need you dragging down the project either. You know, but I, that's all I got. I'm sorry, folks. Hey, oh, hold on, hold on. We get, we have an, uh, uh, Actify Press has to go fund me. Go ahead yes. and it. Go. Yeah, Actify Press, we're we're trying to um we're trying to upgrade what we're doing, right? Um uh, I don't know if you, whoever knows, you know, a lot of everything that comes um everything we do comes out of uh, our meager book sales and our um and, and out of out of my po- my pocket, honestly, right? Um that's what yeah. everything we do comes all that comes 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 from me, right? Most of it comes from me. So I, we're trying to we're trying to move to a new server, uh, a new um, a new server, so that uh, the service is better and hopefully a little bit cheaper. Um, we're trying mm-hmm. to get some stuff. We're trying to get some um, some equipment for people to do shows like <clears throat> Brother B um, and improve the yeah. shows we have. Yeah, and we're trying to um, uh, we're trying to do some courses, so we got to build that up. All kind of stuff. We we you know we've got to finish. Um, get get Tina Tina Desiree Berg has a book coming out on 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 Actify Press That's imprint. Right. That's yeah. Right. All right. Um, so, so we've got some things cooking. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you, and we've got some things cooking, but of course nothing happens without money. You know, people get mad when you right. talk about money, but that's what makes the world go round. And as they say on the black podcast, bills do exist. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and until we have, we reach that nirvana where bills don't exist, we're going to need a little help. A little help. All right. All right. So yeah. Go donate. I'll put the link in the uh, bio for sure. 